Welcome to the Less Wrong Curated Podcast. What are the results of more parental supervision and less outdoor play? By Julia Wise, published on the 25th of November, 2023. It's a cross post from otherwise Julia Wise's blog. It's a curated post on Less Wrong, so I'll be human narrating it. If you like having human narrations of the posts that are curated on Less Wrong, you can support my work on Patreon at patreon.com slash lwcurated. Parents supervise their children way more than they used to. Children spend less of their time in unstructured play than they did in past generations. Parental supervision is way up. The wild thing is that this is true even when the number of children per family has decreased and the amount of time mothers work outside the home has increased. So there's a graph here. It's showing various different countries, mothers and fathers in each of those countries, in terms of how much time they spend with their children per day. And on the x-axis of each of the graphs is a timeline from 1965 to 2010. And we notice in all of these countries, the UK, Canada, France, Germany, Denmark, Italy, Netherlands, Slovenia, Spain, and United States, there's a notable upward trend for both mothers and fathers, university-educated and non-university-educated. The one exception seems to be France, where mothers have been spending less time over the period of that x-axis, and Slovenia, where mothers have been relatively flat, except for university-educated ones who are spending more time. The overall trend seems to be that all of them are increasing, and a lot. The author writes, What's happening in France? I don't know. Western children are typically not allowed to go as far from their home unattended as in past generations. This map, linked here, of the shrinking walkshed over four generations is anecdotal, but I think typical. Ask any older person about when they walk to school unsupervised. More supervision means less outdoor play. Most of this supervision is indoors, but here I'll focus on outdoor play. Needing a parent to take you outside means that you spend less time outside, and that when you are outside, you do different things. It's surprisingly hard to find data on how much time children spend playing outside now versus in past generations. Everyone seems to agree it's less now, and you can look at changing advice to parents, link in post, but in the past, people didn't collect data about children's time use. Quote, A study conducted in Zurich, Switzerland in the early 1990s compared five-year-olds living in neighbourhoods where children of that age were still allowed to play unsupervised outdoors to five-year-olds living in economically similar neighbourhoods where, because of traffic, such freedom was denied. Parents in the latter group were much more likely than those in the former to take their children to parks, where they could play under parental supervision. The main findings were that those who could play freely in neighbourhoods spent, on average, twice as much time outdoors, were much more active while outdoors, had more than twice as many friends, and had better motor and social skills than those deprived of such play, end quote. And there's a link with more. Adolescent mental health has worsened. This year's Youth Risk Behaviour Survey looked pretty bad about the well-being of American adolescents. People squint at correlations, and theories include social media and phone use, political messages of helplessness and despair, and not enough play and freedom. And there's a photograph here. It shows a small child who's wearing a jumper with the hood pulled over their head, and they're standing at the top of a slippery dip or a slide, depending on what you want to call it, throwing a toy Victor push lawnmower down the slide. And so the lawnmower is spiralling down the slide as the child watches. The caption reads, My toddler rolling a toy lawnmower down a slide, which is the kind of game adults like to prevent. Play used to be more dangerous. My grandfather was a small-town newspaper reporter in the early 20th century. He wrote, quote, 
I remember a newspaper story about a boy who suffered a broken arm when, as the account read, he fell or jumped from a low shed roof. Nobody knew whether kids fell or jumped because they were usually doing one or the other. End quote. Our next-door neighbour had a twin brother who drowned at age six in the river while playing boats with an older child. In 1950s Cambridge, Massachusetts, not a remote rural area. Our housemate grew up on a farm where he and his friends would amuse themselves by cutting down trees while one of them was in the tree. Quote, It was fun, but there were some scary times when I thought my friends had been killed. Playground injuries are up? I was expecting that more supervision meant fewer injuries. This doesn't seem to be the case at playgrounds, at least over the last 30 years. From a large study of US visits to emergency rooms related to playground equipment. Here's a graph. It's relatively complex. It's the annual incidence of injuries by each playground equipment. So lines for things like climbing apparatus, swing, slide, etc. And we notice some of these lines going up and some going down. There's not obviously a trend in either direction and many of them appear to be completely flat. The author writes, maybe children are spending time at playgrounds if they're not playing in empty lots and stuff. But here's children injured at school playgrounds, which are presumably seeing similar use over time in Victoria, Australia. I don't think this is just because of wider awareness of concussions or something, because even in the 80s, you still got treated at a hospital if you broke your arm. So here's another graph, this time spanning from 1987 up to 2002. We have lines for all playground falls, arm fracture and head injury. And we notice that the lines for all playground falls and arm fracture are going up and head injury is flat to very slightly down. But deaths from accidents are down. Here's a graph of US accidental deaths of children aged 10 to 19. Once again, we have years ranging from 1999 to 2016 on the x-axis and a y-axis deaths per 100,000 population aged 10 to 19 years. And for all unintentional, we see a big dip that starts in the early to mid 2000s so 2006 and onwards. Similar for motor vehicle traffic. We have a slight increase in poisoning, although it's been flat for quite a while since the early 2000s, and drowning appears to be going down slightly. And the UK in the 80s and 90s for people aged 19 and under, with lines for unintentional and intentional. This time it's the 80s to 94. And again, deaths per 100,000 population. Intentional is relatively flat, unintentional is going down constantly. A small peak at the end of the 80s, but then it continues its downward trend after that. The author writes, The types of accidents that kill children and teens are mostly cars and drowning. Here's a graph from the CDC, unintended injury deaths for children aged 1 to 17. So there's a bar for every single year from 2010 to 2020, and those bars are broken up into subsections showing the different kinds of deaths and it's a fairly complex graph, but the overall thing that we notice is that motor vehicle traffic and drowning dominate the deaths among these children. They take up more than half of each bar in every case, and sometimes as much as two-thirds. The author writes, Most of the motor vehicle deaths are while riding in cars, which is a different topic. What about while children are playing or walking around? As parental supervision has increased, child pedestrian deaths have fallen. Some of this may be because of better pedestrian infrastructure like crosswalks and speed bumps. But I suspect much of it is an adult being physically present with children when they're near streets. Trends in pedestrian death rates per year, United States, 1995 to 2010, children ages 19 and under. That's a graph. Once again, we have the range 1995 to 2010 and death rates per 100,000. It's starting at 1.29 in 95 and trends consistently downwards 
reaching a minimum of 0.55 in 2009 and coming up very slightly in 2010. The article says 90% of injured child pedestrians are unaccompanied by an adult at the time of the injury, but this is mostly teenagers, so it's not surprising they're unaccompanied. Drownings are also down over this time, probably partly because of rules about fences around pools and partly because of more supervision. The drownings of babies under one is mostly in bathtubs, so I expect the gains there are largely from more awareness and more supervision within the home. So here we have a line for each of 1 to 4 years, under 1 year, 14 to 17 years and 5 to 13 years, a range of years ranging from 2000 to 2018, and deaths per 100,000 population again. All of these lines are trending downwards. Some are slightly flat, but none of them are clearly going upwards. Some personal takeaways. Whatever we're doing in supervising children at playgrounds is not reducing injuries. We might as well let them play in a more traditional, unstructured, unsupervised way, at least in spaces where they won't be hit by cars. Car traffic still seems worth worrying about. The most dangerous thing I see kids doing in our neighbourhood is riding scooters on the sidewalk and zooming across intersections without checking for cars. When we're near water, I take drowning risks seriously. Boys play outside more than girls and have higher injury rates than girls. If I had boys, or kids who were generally more into risk-taking, I might worry more about serious injuries. But I'd also worry about stifling them too much or not letting them develop common sense from minor injuries. I haven't looked at the evidence on bike helmets for kids, but they seem like a good idea. After a sledding accident involving a brick wall, we also use them for stuff like sledding and climbing big rocks. More prosaically, warm enough clothing means we spend more time outdoors. Both kids and adults in our family wear snow pants a lot in the winter, which makes outdoor play much more viable in New England. And here's another photograph. It shows two small children climbing some kind of rock face. It appears to be several times higher than them. It's a kind of scramble on hands and knees up the rocks. The kids are wearing warm clothes, jumpers, gloves, and bike helmets. You can't single-handedly recreate the 1960s. One friend said that after reading about historical rates of parental supervision, she'd take her preschooler to the park and say, have fun, I'll be over here reading my book. I also try to channel the older, laid-back approach to supervision of outdoor play. But you can't create the social environment that existed when all the kids had less supervision. This isn't just the someone-will-call-the-police fear, it's more prosaic too. At some point, other parents will view you as suspect and won't let their kids play with yours, which defeats some of the purpose. Some methods we've used? A lot of it was luck to be in a pretty walkable neighbourhood with well-used playgrounds. Courtyard apartments, or other spaces where kids don't have to cross a street to access play space, seem especially good for letting urban kids play unsupervised at a younger age. Supervision theatre. When my kids were preschoolers and playing at the park while I was present but not hovering, other parents would start looking around to see if these children were alone. I'd periodically announce things like, your water bottle is here if you want it, and then the other adults wouldn't bother us. Moderating. You can climb that tree but one person at a time. Teaching street crossing with toddlers and older kids. Walkie-talkies. They're quite a bit better than in past decades. They reach a quarter mile and mean both we and the kids have more freedom of movement. We can take one kid to the nearby park while another one stays home, able to radio us. We trust our kids to play at the park before we trust them to cross the street, so they sometimes play at the park and radio home when they want us to walk them home. Rehearsing with my kids what they'd say if a grown-up asks why they're alone. My parents said it's okay for me to be here. Making friends with other families with more free-range kids. We met one such family, recent immigrants from Europe, 
because they had the only other five-year-old we'd seen playing on the bike path with no adult immediately present. And there's a link to more ideas from Peter Gray. This was an audio version of What are the Results of More Parental Supervision and Less Outdoor Play by Julia Wise, published on the 25th of November 2023. It's been curated by the Less Wrong team, and as such, I will human narrate it. If you enjoy having human narrations of the curated posts, you can support the work that goes into making them on Patreon at patreon.com slash lwcurated. Thank you so much to all of those who've already signed up, and I'll speak to you next time.